We asked college graduates who are really good with money, what did their parents do that was effective? And the number one thing we heard over and over again is whatever amount you give, whether it's $100 a week or $100 a month, give that to the student, but let them figure out how to spend it. So if Junior spends all of his cash on you know, a great t-shirt or sweatshirt, and he has no money, you know, for food, let him figure it out. He can get, you know, ramen is 29 cents. They will figure it out. Welcome to the Community Conversation Podcast presented by Community America Credit Union. We have a compelling and impactful story to tell, and our goal with these conversations will never be to sell you something. We would rather have an important discussion with our very talented employees, leaders, members, community partners, and experts from a variety of industries and causes to help educate and inform you. Stay tuned at the end of the podcast for some important disclosures. Hey, y'all, welcome back to another edition of the Community Conversation presented by Community America Credit Union. I'm your host today, Justin Rickliffs. I'm a partner and friend of Community America Credit Union and really excited today to be joined by Anita Newton. Anita is the Chief Innovation Officer here at Community America Credit Union. So Anita, without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Thanks for being with us. Um, Chief Innovation Officer, walk us into that. That's a big (laughs) title and a big role like what what does that mean here well thanks for having me again it's it's such a pleasure to be here and I'm so excited to talk about the great work that we do because it is really unique in the financial institution space to have an innovation lab what we do here at Community America is it sounds really simple but it's pretty profound our goal is to build products and services and experiences that deliver peace of mind for our customers we call them members and that looks different in depending on your life stage. So we start with listening to our customers and we understand what are their needs and their pain points. And we'll do things like build products and services. So it could be anything from uh, a divorce kit or an online will, or we'll look at how can we improve their savings. And we do a lot in this process with young adults. So we've spent so much time over the last few years listening to literally thousands of high school and college students, young adults, people entering the workforce, and we're trying to better understand what are their barriers for them to be successful um, as it relates to knowledge, attitudes, and behaviors. And we've put a lot of effort in trying to understand what those issues are and then build experiences to help fill those gaps. It's wonderful. And it's a perfect it's a perfect segue and tee up for the conversation we're gonna have. We could have a thousand conversations mm-hmm. about your 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 role and your team. But specifically today we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about the financial management f- with youth, with kids, with that's a broad topic and it's a personal one even for me. We've got three teenage daughters, mm-hmm. we've got I mean, this thing is a is real, right? That there's uh, what's one thing to have education about it? It's an entirely different thing to have experience and real life management. So today we're going to talk about ways to um, help kids set them up for future success when they enter the workforce, when they become financially independent, financially responsible on their own. And you're going to be a wonderful guide in this conversation. So let's do it. Great. All right. Um, let's set the stage real quick. So when when we think about financial 
education for youth, what is the baseline? Like, let's just kind of start practical and foundational. Like, what's the baseline? What's the lay of the land, so to speak, yeah. financial literacy and education today? It's, you know, we, it's a little sobering um, when you think about it. You know, there's been a lot of studies done, big studies uh, empirical research that says that only when you look at all the financial literacy efforts, if you were to Google financial education, there's literally a million different programs out right. there. And I think most the, the most recent findings are that 0.1% of all efforts, not 1%, but 0.1% are effective. And so oh that gosh. is, you know, that is unfortunate, but that's where we, where we are. And we've seen that in our own work, we've we um, we recently uh, interviewed or asked 500 students in college. They were freshmen, and we asked them the 13 most common questions you should know, or the things that you should know if you're a young adult around budgeting, savings, mm. investing. And of those 500 students, um, less than one percent got all of them right. And it's important to know these were business majors. Jeez. And of the one percent, it was five. Two of them were our interns. So it was even <laughs> even worse than we would expect. Man. And so that's really, you know, that's the gap and that's really the opportunity for all of us as community members, as parents, as neighbors to really help this next generation think more effectively around around money. Mm. Why do you think those like those are big gaps and sobering and alarming, mm -hmm. to be honest. I mean, 500 college students in business school, and that's the number. Like, that's yeah. that's kind of like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, why do those gaps exist? Like, how, mm -hmm. did, how did we get to this point where a sample size of 500 has such limited? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, you know, I can only guess, but I would say it's probably three reasons. I think first and foremost, the way we teach literacy in America is it's through high school. And I think they're really well-meaning efforts to teach, and it's usually an online course. But the reality is if you're 16 and you're learning about mortgages, you know, the, the, the time that you really care about a mortgage is actually when you're looking to buy a mortgage, right. <laughs> which That's isn't, right. you know, yeah. 10 years from yeah. now for most kids. That's right. And unfortunately at that point, when you are looking at that, it's probably too late because you've already affected your credit score, which is important. And you've probably, you may or may not have done all the work that you need to save for a down payment. And so mm. students are really wanting information just in time. And the way we teach in high school is, is, is very different. That's the first thing. I think the second thing is parents are really reluctant to talk about money with their students. Um, first, it's impolite. Second of all, you know, there's a lot of shame because we all, as a, even as older adults, as parents, we make mistakes. And third is we don't want to tell our children about our money, you know, ben, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly for fear that they will tell their friends, who will tell their parents who you're seeing on the baseball field. So there's a lot of issues around that. And then I, I think finally and most fundamentally, students are afraid to ask questions because they don't want to look dumb. You know, mm. you know, every you know week you see in the paper some sort of wonder kid, sixteen year old making a million dollars from cryptocurrency, and most or kids, or yeah, yeah, right. And most kids <laughs> right. just have a fistful of cash from babysitting and lawn mowing. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't. It's just really hard to um, know what's. There's just so many different ways mm. to make money 
that it makes it more and more difficult and people just don't want to look stupid. So those are just a few things. And I think our mission at Community America is to, is to talk about money. And, you know, when you think about these students who are getting ready to go off to college, most parents will probably spend more time talking about the comforter that's going to go in their dorm room <laughs> or what kind of refrigerator they need than how much it costs. And so we have to start having those conversations if we're going to create future adults that live and work and you know are able to win in the world. It's wonderful. It's so well said. And I'm even reminded just last night, our, our youngest daughter started talking about, well, so-and-so family is loaded because the kid always wears a new pair of Jordans every day. I'm like, man, you have literally no idea what perspective may, maybe that's true or maybe priorities are, and are so, so broken and out of whack that we, that we don't know. And so it, it brings us to, you, you mentioned these three earlier, these big gaps, budgeting, crediting, and investing. And if we can kind of move into some practical waters here and the work that you and the team are doing in, in the, in the bucket of budgeting and saving, mm-hmm. how do you, begin to talk to kids if, if there's and I agree there's shame and embarrassment or even just like eh, I don't know un, unfamiliar territory how do you begin to have those conversations with kids about money how do you start talking about who's paying for what what who should you pay for the phone bill should you pay for your own gas when you're 16 like how, how do you start to instruct members as they have these navigate these conversations with their kids yeah I mean and it's it's a great question, and I want to be honest. Like I have a, I too have parent, um, a parent of two teenagers, and we have not done a great job of teaching our kids about money until we started this work, and we realized that, you know, we need to do it. And every kid is going to be different. I think the most important thing is to be transparent and not attach, um, you know, punitive <laughs> emotions or <laughs> rewards. You know look how much you spend or look how much you cost. I think it's more about conversation. <laughs> so what we started with doing, and this is just our personal, our family, we started walking. Th- our kids are getting ready to graduate high school and they're going off to college. So one, a, a couple things. So first of all, we we do quicken in our family once um, once or twice a month. So we've invited our, our kids to sit in on that. And it is embarrassing because I do probably spend more money on Starbucks than I, you know, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm embarrassed right. to admit, Same. you know, and my Nordstrom bill was a particularly high last month. But I think what's been great about it is we go through it and it's a, it's, it's a constant process where if we're over on one week, then we go under the other week and they're starting to see, and hopefully they're starting to pattern some of those things. So that's the first thing we do. I think the second thing that's really important, if your student is getting ready to, um, whether they're going to be a junior or go to college, if you give them amount of money, let's so for our students um, that are going off to college, if whatever amount you agree on, I think this is really important. And just as context, we asked uh, college graduates who are really good with money, what did they do with their, uh, what did their parents do to, to, that was effective? And the number one thing we heard over and over again is whatever amount you give, whether it's $100 a week or $100 a month, give that to um, you know the, the, the student, but let them figure out how to spend it. So if Junior spends all of his cash on you know, a great T-shirt or sweatshirt and he has no money you know, for food, let him figure it out. He can get you know, ramen is 29 cents. They will That's figure right. it out. That's right. 
But if you bail that student out every single time, you are teaching them, you're not teaching them how to make those adjustments. So I think that is a really, really practical tip. Don't legislate, let them figure out how they want to spend the money. So I think that was, that's a really good thing. It's good. The only other thing I want to mention too is you can, there are tools to help automate and make students be successful. So your mobile, every bank has great tools to help you. So overdraft protection. And, you know, at Community America, we have a really amazing mobile banking app and there are alerts that you can set up so that if you are, you do have a low balance, you'll get alerted. If there's a large purchase, you can get alerted. So you can use technology to help you stay on the narrow. So those are just a few ideas um, to think about in terms of budgeting. So. That's great. That's great. Are there, I know every situation is different. Every kid's different. Every family's different. Are there rough parameters of, hey, for every $10 or $100 or $1,000 that you should set aside a certain amount to save? Is there yeah. a difference between kind of long-term and emergency savings? Like how do you, how do you start to walk yeah. some of that into practice? Great point. So we, um, most financial planners um, would say that you should spend at least, you should at you should uh, set aside 20% of your, let's say you get $100 for babysitting, $20 should end up going toward, um, you know, savings. So what we, so a couple things. So I think that is really, really important, um, especially if your kids are young. There's a lot of data out there that, you know, having some sort of automated, whether it's an envelope or a piggy bank or a bank, you know, spend spend certain you save a certain and then you you know you share you give back to the community those are really good things I think the other thing that's really really helpful on the saving sides is set it and forget it so automating your savings is really how you make really great money because it's sort of like if you think about food you know if you see a jar of M&Ms you're gonna be more likely to eat it (laughs) you know same thing if you have a wad of cash or you see it but if it's taken off the top and you don't see it, it really, really, really helps. And so we've, and that's why 401ks are the most successful savings tool in America is because you said you don't even see it until the end of the year and you've, you're, you're so amazed about how much money you've been able to earn. The only other thing I would say in terms of savings as it relates to children in college, there's a lot of data out there that says if children have some sort of skin in the game, they're able to, they're much more likely to be effective in college, whatever that is for you. So for our kids, we've, we've given them wherever they go that we've always said that you have to save 10, 10% of your college will end up being paid by you, however that is. So from a very young age, they've always had to save it. And we've always just put whatever their birthday money, whatever we've always just automated. And now that they're getting ready to graduate, they're pretty darn close and they didn't even realize it. So those are some ideas just to think about as you think about savings. Yeah, that's great. And I, and I think it relates to your comment earlier about mindset and it shifts from the 0.1%. It, it's not an information problem. The information is plentiful. Yeah. It's a practice. It's a mindset. It's an emotional, it's a behavior challenge that to your point, removing some of that shame or embarrassment, just talking about it. It's such yeah. a life-giving, like, oh, everybody has to talk about this stuff. Well, and I think that's so right. And unfortunately, um, we're all, whether you're 16 or 61, inundated by images that say the definition of someone who is rich looks, like you were saying earlier, 
looks rich. And the reality is, uh, I read this um, a few months ago, and it stuck with me that you know most people who want to say who say they want to be millionaires basically want to spend like a millionaire. That's right. That's and right. unfortunately, to be a millionaire means that you actually do all the things that the basics like you spend below your means and you save your money and you set it and you forget it. I mean, it's very, very simple. But to your point, once you get in that mindset and you start to see money and your money is making money, it's very empowering. And it, you know, you want to reduce stress, having an emergency savings and knowing that you have peace of mind, that is, that's really, really helpful. Um, but it's hard because we live in a world where, you know, on Amazon, you don't even have to put, you, you can skip the shopping cart altogether. And so it's really, really, really hard. Yeah, it's interesting. Behavior is interesting. We, we have five kids, and each month we're, we are kind of sick of doing the like, oh, yeah, let's do Chick-fil-A tonight, or let's do so-and-so tomorrow night, or let's all go out to eat. And it's like, yeah, our, our moment of looking at the budget, like, oh, gosh, like we probably spent too much money eating out oh. seven straight months, right? I know. And so we started just giving them a fixed budget of you can, you can use this money at any time in the month. We'll take you, and it's your money. It's great. And it's not, it's literally not much money, right? Five kids. And two of them are like squirrels. They'll just like, they're like, I don't know. And it's amazing how it changes. It feels like their money. So they make decisions about, actually, no, I don't need the $9 chicken nugget meal. I'd rather let that thing keep building up. And, and a couple of our other kids are like always at, you know, red line, right? So it's just, it's, it's really fascinating. Your skin in the game comment is, is super right on. Uh, let's shift to the second bucket in credit. Yeah. So high school, college kid, or parents of, you know, teenagers as they're starting to think about this stuff. Um, what's the importance of credit in this conversation? Yeah, I mean, it is so essential. And I, and I want it, we'll touch on it, but there's a great podcast I know that you did earlier on credit that people should check out because it goes into more depth. But, you know, the credit thing is really key because, you know, you two things. One is when your kid graduates high school, they're going to be inundated with letters and enticing office, offer, offers to get a credit card. I remember, I think I got my credit card in college because I got a free t-shirt. That's right. And I think stood my, at the corner. Yeah, yeah I think course, my interest same. rate was like 25% <laughs> right. and I had no idea. So it is, you, you have to have a credit conversation because they don't need it. Your, your students do not need a co-signer. They, you, you may not know if they end up having a credit card. And the reality is, to, to live in the world today, if you don't have good credit, it's really hard. Everything from renting an apartment to, um, you know, buy, leasing a phone. Even employers will check your credit as a screen. So I think, and then obviously if you do take a loan, whether your interest rate is, you know, 5% or 10% can determine, be determined by your credit score. You, you know, some people can't even get a checking account if their credit score is too low. And so it is really, really important. It's hard to navigate and live in the world if you don't have good credit. That's right. What are some misconceptions about credit? I mean, is it, yeah, help us understand like some of those either myths or misconceptions maybe. I think especially in the context of a student and a parent, I think parents don't, I think the world has changed quite a bit and that students 
I think people, um, parents don't realize that, and students, that one, you need one. You, it takes time. It takes anywhere from six months to a year to longer, depending on how you manage your credit. And then second, people don't realize all the things that you need for good credit, like the things I mentioned. I think those are the main things. We talk to students and parents all the time, and we ask them some of these things, and they don't know. And I think the other thing is that some of the things that you wouldn't think of, like these weird arcane rules, like oh, you know, closing credit cards or opening up too many, those can affect your score. And and not and just educating yourself. There's some real basic rules that can help you, but I think most parents and students aren't aware because you know, it's not the most, you know, it's, a, it's way more interesting to talk about what comforter I want to buy again for the dorm room <laughs> totally. than let's talk about what a FICA means. So Yeah, that's right. That's right. What are just a couple maybe basics yeah. for teenagers and young adults to start building their credit? Yeah. So I would say the two biggest rules are first, and this is sort of like, you know, if you've heard of Taylor Swift, you know, never, ever, ever, ever uh, miss a payment. So if you look at a FICA score, 35% of your score is based on your payment history. So if you did nothing else but really, really work hard to never miss a payment, because the reality is mm. if you miss a payment and it goes on your um, credit report, it takes seven years seven years to actually get that off your report so automating and setting up um you know an automated so you don't even have to have a paper copy is the number one underlined exclamation point i would really just stamp on anyone's forehead who would listen taylor swift approved yes <laughs> she would approve and then the second thing is a it's it sounds complicated but it's really simple it's called credit use utilization and what it means is the percent of uh, that you spend relative to your credit limit. So what that means is if your credit limit is $1,000, you should aim for 35%. So in this scenario, it's $350. Never spend more than 35% of your total credit limit because if you spend more, it's going to ding your credit card. That's the second most important thing. So maxing out your credit cards is a bad thing just because it's cost, you know, it's it's expensive, but more importantly, it can really, really hurt your credit. Mm -hmm. So that would be the second most important thing. Those are great and so practical and and ties into your comment on budgeting saving about skin in the game. If if you've got the responsibility to pay the bill every month and you've got the awareness to know like, hey, these thirty five percent or more, like I yep, probably don't need the Amazon or the or the the next, you know, um, pair of shoes or whatever it is. Right, right. And I think, you know, just the, 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 just to underscore one point about that is tool, there are digital tools that can help us. So with Community America, we have this really cool product called Starter Card. We actually pay you <laughs> to pay your bill on time. So if a student pay, if you're new to credit, if a student pays their bill on time, we will deposit $5 into their bank account. We text them to remind them because we're trying to build that good habit. I mean, Community America, our goal is mm. to create great citizens of the world and the community, and you can't do that if you don't have good credit. It's hard for you to you know, buy a house, buy a car, all the things that you wanna do to live a great life. And then credit monitoring software, so one of the things in the starter card, we offer that so that you can access your credit report and see, just like a bank account, how much money is in your savings account, 
here you're able to check your credit score and see is it going up or is it going down. That is a great way great. to be transparent and be helpful in terms of, you know, building your score. That's great. That's great. Okay, we've talked through budgeting and savings. We've talked through credit. The last bucket for this conversation, investing. So mindset, practice, behavior, intention. How, how, do, you, how do you begin to, to have this investment mindset? Um, kind of saturate the roots of a, of a young human? Um, it is, so it, I, I think the investing has really entered the cultural zeitgeist of young people. So I think the average age now for someone to start think asking questions about investing is 11. So it is not something that you should delay. Um, but I, I think to start, you know, when you step back and we've talked about knowledge and attitudes, but really behavior, ultimately, it's all about delayed gratification. If you can help your your student wait to do anything, that is that exec, that's that executive function that's so important. So all the things we talked about in terms of savings, that habit of delaying, of putting your money, of savings, that is the muscle that you're building for investing. So I think that's really, really important. Um, in terms, so so yeah, that I would just I'd stop right there. Just that's that's where I would start. Yeah, that's great. I, I think the the delayed gratification and to flip that phrase is like, gosh, the gratification of delay. Like mm. if if we really believed and experienced how gratifying delay was and is, um, lots of these other sh- what feels like short term fun or success or mm. or like you said, spending like a millionaire. Actually, being a millionaire is better. Would be better, right? In this in this context of um, the 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 delay of that gratification is so wonderful. Yeah, and I just want to add to that because I think you know you 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 had a great example of your children, and you had some of them are just you know natural savers, um, and those spenders. The number one thing that we've done because we in our family we have a spender and a savers, a saver. Um, just have them wait 24 hours. So whenever they've asked me to buy something or I've or they wanted to buy something, I've always at said, especially with digital, it's so easy with one-click access, wait 24 hours and tell me if you still really want it. Because a lot of times it's That's just right. because of, you know, it's the impulse, it's the sale, it's that sort of serotonin that floods your brain that you think you need it. Um mm. Really simple but really easy way to start building that habit. That's really good. That's really good. What investment options are even available for young folks? You know, I think um, under the age of 18, there's a couple of things. A lot of um, students have, uh, some brokerage firms have custodian accounts. But honestly, I don't necessarily think that investing for I, I personally, and again, I'm not a financial planner, and I think that's really important to note, but we have really focused more on savings and using that as a way to build that habit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we also, but we do have conversations around students are interested in these alternative vehicles like cryptocurrency, and I think you have to have those conversations. If you say things like, you know, if you dismiss it outright, then you're not going to be able to have a conversation. Instead of having your point of view, and you may you may think it's a form of gambling. I am not an expert <laughs> at all on cryptocurrency, but my son, he's 17, and he's been mining 
uh, Bitcoin for years. And we just talk and we just have open conversations without any judgment. And I think that is really where you start. Then when you turn 18 is when you can really start to think about investing because legally that's when most brokerage firms will allow you to actually open up an account. Mm, that's awesome. I'm laughing because just a few nights ago we were watching a, an NBA game and a Coinbase commercial came on about crypto. And our 12-year-old son was totally intrigued by it. And he's one of the savers. And so he's like watching. He's like totally. And I was like, man, I was like, so I have no idea what, in, like, I, I just feel so old when I talk about crypto. And he goes, dad, you are so old. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, but, but we're trying it's to have the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Like we're trying to go, yeah. okay, man, like this is going to be a big part of your life. Totally. And, um, and so to, to have that conversation, I think it's great. How does investing affect the, the, the lifespan of someone who begins at 18 versus 38 versus 68? Yeah, I mean, this is magic. I mean, age is arguably the most important, most valuable asset when it comes to investing. Um, compound interest has been known, and I, I don't remember who said it, is you know the eighth wonder of the world. It is amazing because, as we know, compound interest is where money makes money off of money. And if you think about... Um, an 18-year-old, if they invested, let's say, $150 a month in a brokerage account with a 10% annual rate of return, just say that's, you know, on average over the course of their life, if they did that, they would have $1.3 million saved at the age of 60, you know, 63. Jeez. But if you were 35, if you wait, you know, eight, you know, Till your mid thirties, and you feel like you, you're, you know, you're really sta- established. If you started the same at thirty five, you would have hundred and eighty thousand by the time you're age, you know, sixty three. So if you think about that difference, you know, it is really, really interesting. And we do this a lot with students. So in um, at the Innovation Lab, Community America, we'll be doing financial education. We have this really cool approach that we've applied. We based on all the things we've learned with young adults this summer through ProX, which is this internship program where they're taking 500 interns around uh, the city from all walks of life, and we're put, they put them in places. It's a great, great program. Mm-hmm. But we'll be doing financial education, so what, I'm, what we'll be doing is we'll give kids an opportunity to either put, to get $5 week one or to wait to the next week and get $6, and then the next week, $7, and then the next week, and they're learning investing. They're learning how money makes money off money, and they're learning delayed gratification. So those are some things that just to get in that groove of how you make money, it's really, really incredible. It's fascinating. I, I remember the the story when I was around that age where someone said, hey, would you rather have a penny? Would you rather have a million bucks today or a penny a day that doubles every day for 31 for mm. a month? And I was like, what a stupid question. <laughs> like, are you serious? Like, give me the million right yeah. now. And then, of course, I'm the fool, right? Because then <laughs> it shows the penny doubles to two, to four, to eight. 
And, and you're even in like day 23 and it's still like not much money. Yeah. And then the thing doubles and doubles and doubles. And by the time, I, I don't remember the exact number, but by the time you're on day 31, it's oh, it's well over $2 million. Yeah. Bucks. And it's o- over double what you would have crazy. received. And it's, yeah, that, that eighth wonder of the world, like you said, is, uh, is compounding. Super smart. All right, bring us home here, Anita. Um, top three, if, if, if listeners didn't hear anything else in the conversation. What are what are a couple, two, three really specific and practical points that we can we can send them on their way with? Yeah, and I would I would I would well first of all that's the that's that is the most important question. And I would say just as context, if you ask most kids when they say what's the most what's the number one adjective they associate with money, eighty percent of the kids that we talk to would say stress. Mm. Even my children, who have nothing to be stressed out, would say it's stress. So there is a lot of fear, uncertainty, and, you know, just, you know, uh, anxiety yeah, around right. money. And money, money is nothing more than a tool to be free, to bring you joy. And we know millionaires who are stressed out about money. We know people who are postal workers who make a good living but are not millionaires and are they, they view money as a tool for freedom. So I think that's really important. So is that as context, the way to help students go from feeling about feeling stressed to feeling free is talk to your child about money. Talk to it. Don't make it taboo. Number two, just start basics around budgeting and savings. Pick something that works for you and your family. Number three use so having the conversations you know starting to get that habit of savings use technology i mean today there are so many tools that can help you stay on track and then the third is your student has questions about investing about credit have those conversations you don't have to know all the answers i think that's the fear is that we don't know everything but you know, go on Google, go on YouTube, watch videos together, go to your local bank at Community America. We have financial well-being coaches at every branch that can help you with some of these really basic, important questions and go on the journey together because when they graduate, they will have these questions. Don't wait. Mm. So that's probably more than three things, but those would be my, they're, that would be my highlights. They're perfect. They're so helpful. You, you, you teed up the last question on my mind is how can community America help? And, and you mentioned a couple of ways, but are there others that you'd recommend? Yeah. I mean, we are so fortunate because our mission is to deliver peace of mind. We have a suite of services and products for every, for every life stage. I'll just, I'll hit on a couple of them and then you should just go online or visit a branch and, you know, you'll get more specifics. But if you're a student um, ages, you know, 13 to 17, we have a student account where, you know, you walk in and before they even open up the account, they get to play a game and they answer the top 10 questions that we heard every student missed as it relates to banking. And when you think about it, any, you know, you, you, Uh, you can't drive without a driver's license. You really shouldn't be able to open up an account, a debit account or checking account without some basic fundamentals. And we, we put skin in the game. So anyone who plays, it's called the money one-on-one game. We'll put $10 in their account. Mm. 
So that's that's something that's really simple just to get them thinking and, and have those conversations about what they missed and why. That's the first thing. The second thing is when they turn 18, we have this the starter card. I mentioned that, but basically the punchline is if you are new to credit, we, most other companies will try to get you to spend a lot of money and <laughs> reward you for spending. We do the opposite. We want you to be smart so we have... We pay you every time you pay your bill on time, up to six months. So we'll pay up to $40 to help you pay your bill. And then we send you text messages to teach you things just in time. So that back to that example I was talking about earlier in terms of mortgages, the time that you care about how to pay a bill is when you actually get a bill. <laughs> so we That's will right. share you, all right, what do you need to pay to pay interest and in order to pay your bills, just to educate you in the time frame that you actually get the information. So those are just a few things that we've built through the lab and through the work at Community America that I, we're trying to use to help students, you know, live their best lives and understand about money. I love it. And it's a great way to end. Thank you, Anita, for the wisdom, the empathy, the understanding of, of your work here and how it's helping members in Kansas City. So um, thanks so much. It's been a blast. Thanks for having me. Of course. We'll do it again. And thank you all for listening to another edition of the Community Conversation presented by Community America Credit Union, where we are helping you on your path to financial peace of mind. Take care. This podcast is brought to you by Community America Credit Union. This recording is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to replace the advice of a loan representative or financial advisor. The examples provided are for illustration purposes only and may not apply to your situation. Since every situation is different, we recommend speaking to a loan representative or financial advisor regarding your specific needs. All loans are subject to approval. You may also want to contact your tax advisor for additional tax implications. Any reference to third-party websites are provided for information purposes only and are not endorsed by Community America. Community America is an equal housing lender. Please visit communityamerica.com to learn more about how we can assist you in achieving your financial peace of mind.